Today on the 1012 podcast, we are kicking off our Big 12 softball coverage. Leah Nelson, former Iowa State outfielder, Eric Lopez, voice of UCF softball, join us. They are going to be our regulars. They're here to preview the Big 12 2024 softball season. I cannot wait. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. We are the flagship show at the 1012 Network. Find every show on the network at 1012network.com. And of course, we are partners with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network. Go check out their arsenal of shows. Haha, <laughs> arsenal. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us. For our Big 12 softball kickoff, we're it's, it's all softball today. I know the football schedule just came out. We're going to talk about that on Monday. I know that there is apparently some individuals on social media who are trying to besmirch the excellence that is Big 12 men's basketball. <laughs> I'm not even going to give that the time because it's not worth it. Uh, we'll talk about it on Monday as well. We'll talk about the fact that Kansas State... Finally lost a game in women's basketball. I know it was Oklahoma. It was going to happen. You don't have your star player. We'll talk about that on Monday. But today we are talking about softball because the Big 12 softball season kicks off. College softball season kicks off one week from today, Thursday. Unless it's Friday when you're listening to this. and It's, it's even closer for you. Uh, here's what we're going to be doing moving forward on Thursdays. I will be here every Thursday. Joining me regularly will be Eric Lopez. He is the voice of UCF softball. We're going to hear from him coming up a little bit later in the show, but usually he'll be here with us. And I say us because it's not going to be just me and Eric. One of the things I really wanted for this season was a former player, a former Big 12 player, if possible, and and one who just wrapped up her career just seemed too perfect. One who has played in the Big 12 was also perfect. So Leah Nelson, former Iowa State Ooh. softball stud, joining us for this season as part of Big 12's, uh, 10-12 Big 12 softball coverage. Leah, welcome to the show. Thank you. That was such a good introduction. I loved it. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, you actually did some great stuff last season uh, while you're still a player, working with Wide Right Natty Light, who's now our Iowa State partner. For those of you who don't know, Iowa State, we finally have a show. It's Wide Right Natty Light. Go check them out. If you're not in the Discord, you should join their Discord. I know it's an Iowa State one. There is a 1012 podcast channel you can just hang out in there if you don't want to see what other crazy iowa state things that they post or you can occasionally go into the other channels and listen to them complain about their own team because it's fun to see other fan bases be like i hate this and you're like oh, well, uh, okay sure uh it happens all the time but i am thrilled to have leah here with us this season i'm glad that you've had a, a season of of covering softball under your belt elsewhere which means that we don't have to break you in here this is great uh <laughs> I, but tell everybody a little bit about you and about your, your career in softball and your time at Iowa State. Yeah. So I graduated in May, 2023. So feels like a little bit ago, but it's almost been a year. Crazy. Uh, I played softball. Iowa State. I was an outfielder, pinch runner, bunted, um, all American chirper. I like to call it, uh, it was a, it was a blast, and then I also uh, did a podcast for Wide Right Natty Light called From the Other Side, where we focus on 
all things women's athletics at Iowa State. Uh, so that was an amazing experience, but I'm really excited to focus on my favorite, which is softball uh, and not just focus on Iowa State, but all of Big 12. Uh, it should be really exciting and I'm, I'm ready for this season. I, I think the Big 12 is an underappreciated and undervalued softball product. I think, okay, I, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective. And I'm gonna. We're just gonna kind of go off the cuff here a little bit. Yeah. As a former player, and I and I, I, I talked to Texas Tech head coach uh, Craig Snyder about this, and I, I'll mention this with Eric a little bit. Like, I understand from a player and a coaching standpoint, you go into every game with the hope and desire to win it. You're never gonna look at anything like, we can't win that. Right. It's not a mindset. You don't have to have that mindset now. We can have honest conversations about the fact that you have to have Oklahoma on the schedule every year. And this isn't like Oklahoma trash talk, but like from an outsider perspective, you just have to mark three L's there mm-hmm. every year on the schedule. Now, obviously, as a player, you don't want to. That's not how it works. Right. I understand that. And it's tough in the Big 12 when OU is as good and as dominant, forget good, is as dominant as they are. I don't think there's another program right now in any sport who is as dominant as OU is in women's softball or softball. Um, Then you throw in Texas, who's really, really good. And you throw in Oklahoma State, who's been on an incredible four-year run. Right. And so how is that from a a perspective of like the, the conference is... The conference is is so top heavy; it makes SEC football look like Big Twelve balanced. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's how how strong those three programs were, and how how it's so hard to try and get wins when, from an outside perspective, you have to look at it like, well, I guess we got to beat everybody else in the schedule because if we get one win in those nine games, that's going to be a great season for us. Yeah, I'm, this is going to be fun because this is such a different perspective and I don't have to be as careful of what I'm about to say because, again, like I'm not a player. But yeah, like it was so tough going into our conference season because we knew we were playing Oklahoma who's probably only lost one game, if that at all. And we went in basically being like, okay, let's try not to lose by 20 because that has happened in my career and it's horrible. Um, it, it stinks. And same thing with like Texas and Oklahoma state, you try to just like scratch one win against them or catch them on an off day, which again, rarely happens. Um, you have to capitalize on their mistakes and it, it's, it's difficult. It's hard. Um, but I have to say it's always such a blast to play them. Even if you are going to get run ruled or it's going to be like a dog fight because one, they all bring amazing fans sold out crowds almost every single game. And uh, they just bring this level of athleticism and competition that you're not going to get anywhere else. I, I tell people every year I got to play Oklahoma softball and they are so jealous and jazz because they're like, not many people can say that. And what, what a cool, a cool thing to say to people. So yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult um, to have them on your conference schedule um, every single year, but it's, it's something cool to say for sure. So now the Big 12 is 10 teams for one year. Uh, it'll be 11 next year when Oklahoma and Texas leave, but you add in Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, which like you can't replace Oklahoma, like period. But like, <laughs> no. I, it, I I think getting two absolute blue bloods of softball in Arizona, Arizona State, and the Utah program that is on the rise more than covers your Texas loss. So like, I, I think the Big 12 is going to be fine. But for this year and moving forward, I think the depth of the Big 12 is the best it's ever been. And I don't just mean because you have 10 teams or you're going to have 11 teams. Like it does feel like 
that it's going to provide more opportunity for wins mm-hmm. for everybody, which will help yes. your postseason, which will help across the board in recruiting and so on and so forth. But like you add a UCF team who's really good, but not invincible. You add a, a BYU team who is currently a good program, but not invincible. You have Baylor who has risen back up. You've got Oklahoma State who, even with all the losses to that roster and, and the stuff that's been going on this offseason, is still going to be good. Like it does feel like this might be the most balanced we've seen the Big 12 in a long time. OU still going to be OU. Like they're going to win in a right. third fourth straight at this point 10th straight national (laughs) championship whatever like set OU aside uh, Texas is gonna be really good but it does feel like there's now more opportunities for winning the conference which should also help the RPI of the conference and and kind of benefit everyone yeah I mean I'm excited you're excited everyone should be excited and really tune into big 12 uh like you said before you could easily be like okay Oklahoma's number one Texas number two Oklahoma State's number three so on so forth now you know, like once they leave, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty close. And even with them here, like, like you said, UCF, BYU, these teams could sneak one from these, from these higher level squads, um, which is really exciting. And I know I graduated from Iowa state, but again, they play amazing uh, with these higher caliber teams and they could sneak one from Oklahoma state again, and they could sneak one from Texas. And Again, like Baylor last year, you could catch OU on an off day. Um, and and this this whole squad or this Big 12, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty even, like you said. I think you'd rather have an OU an undefeated OU coming into conference play than one that loses early. Uh, it's just oh my gosh. The, they're out for blood then. <laughs> the more the more pressure is on them when they're undefeated. If you beat them early, then it's like, oh good, now we can just go out and do whatever we want. Um <laughs> look, I, I am curious. With the 10 teams, they're going to play a full round robin. So you have nine conference series, which is more than six, three more than six, which means there's going to be more series where you're seeing the same team three times as opposed to a team once, a team twice. Do you feel like it's more difficult facing a team three times in a weekend than it is to face a team one off? Oh my gosh, it is so difficult. I think by that Sunday, you know everyone's weaknesses, you know what pitches they're going to throw, you're you know, how they base run, how they feel like, although that can be seen as an advantage, like they're seeing that for your team as well. And it is, it's almost exhausting. You get to that third day and it just, who is going to make less mistakes. Uh, It's so tough. And let alone you're exhausted too. You know, you've probably played some pretty hype games on Friday and Saturday. And so you get to that third game and it is one of the most difficult things you do. But again, in preseason, you're playing like five games a weekend. So it feels like a little bit of a break, but you're, again, you're playing the same team three times in a row. So yeah, it's definitely really, really difficult. Uh, I'm curious how that affects Big 12 play now that you're going to have more three-game series and fewer trips out wherever to face four teams across five, six games. So, uh, okay, we uh, we put out our Big 12 softball preseason media poll. The poll the Big 12 releases is just voted on by the coaches, but we pulled together a few people uh, that pay attention to Big 12 softball, cover it, uh, are fans of it, myself, you, Eric Lopez, uh, Ryan Chapman, Nate Slack, uh, our friends from Scott and Holman podcast, Avi Fippen, who does a really good job covering Oklahoma State, uh, Michael Hogg for Baylor, and then uh, Jeremy Gillen uh, over from our Tortillas and Takes podcast. So we put together a little group to do a media poll. We thought it would be fun to do. No shocker, Oklahoma with a consensus number one, unanimous number one. Like, it's just, just get ready, folks. Like, they're going to win the national championship again. It's going to be, it's going to be difficult. I have to say, like, 
going back to back is hard enough, but going for a three P is going to be hard, but I think they're going to do it. This is the, they've already done it three. Haven't they? I think. Isn't this four Pete? Are you sure? Hold on. Now I, it, it, that's the problem is it feels like it's well, been. You, now I could be wrong because again, like it just is over and over and over again. I know I'm supposed they to. They could be going things. for a four Pete. You're so right. No, I, I should be knowing I'm these things. I'm supposed to know these things being the host of the show and prepping myself for these things. Let's okay. See. Well, uh, it is. No. Yeah. It's, it's four Pete. Oh, they want see, it, exactly. They want it in 21, 22, and 23. Okay, so that's going to be even harder now. But I just, like, looking at this roster, and we'll spend a minute in Oklahoma, we need to. Um, yeah. Like, look, you look at the Big 12 preseason softball team, and it's a whole lot of OU, a little Texas, and then, you know, here's a Texas Tech <laughs> player, here's a Houston, and Iowa State, and OSU, UCF, BYU, Baylor. Like, all-American lists, like preseason All-American lists are just, the first team is loaded with OU players, and then the second team has OU players too. And so, you look at a roster that didn't lose a lot, you added Kelly Maxwell. Like, I, I just, I don't, I, I don't, there's not another team or another roster in softball who is remotely on par with Oklahoma. There's plenty of teams who have talent and have an All-American here, a couple of All-Americans there, uh, a stud pitcher who's going to be all who's going to be the best pitcher in the country. Like you can find that in all these different rosters. To find a roster this loaded again. Like this is they're going to four Pete. Like I just I it, there is an inevitability to it it feels like. I would be I would be shocked if they didn't. I agree. I I'm, it, it seems like they lose best. people, right? It seems like they lose people and then they just gain someone who's 20 times better of an athlete. It's crazy. I don't know how they do it. It's the Patty Gasso effect, but it's incredible. And I agree. I, they're going to four Pete. I mean, it's the, the hope for, if someone else is going to win it, it's going to be next year because they're losing a ton of seniors. They just, yeah. there is a ton of seniors on this roster. There's going to be plenty of talent. Like that's not like, there's not going to be talent, but like, it's such a good roster. It is so experienced. There's so mm-hmm. many seniors, uh, redshirt seniors, COVID seniors on this roster that I, they're going to win again. And because the problem is this. I It would take something crazy for them to lose twice in Oklahoma City. Let's just pencil it. Let's just sharpie right. them in for OKC. Mm-hmm. They've either got to lose twice before the final, or some one team has to beat them twice. Like, and that's I just, almost I impossible. <laughs> like we've seen a team beat them, like yeah. But then it's like, good job trying to do it again. Like you, yeah. you're you're not going to. Well, and like you said earlier in this episode, like you you have a Oklahoma team who loses, like they're out for blood. They're going back watching film. They're doing everything to make sure that never happens again. They hate losing. So does every other team. But for some reason, it is a different beast with Oklahoma. You, you have you have insulted their entire family if you beat that team. But it is a mo- <laughs> I think it's it's a motivating factor. I like mm-hmm. I, I think it, you know we talk about it with other teams like with football all the time. Like with um, Nick Saban would love for his team to lose a game early. Because nothing will get allow him to to dig his teeth in his claws into that roster and really really get him revved up. I think yeah. so. Like she, like there is more pressure on them if they're undefeated than like right. last year if they lose. If they lose early, see you can get beat. 
Now I've got a, I've got a coaching tour. You could get beat. You've already been beat. Someone else could beat you. So yeah. you don't, you can't, you can't rest like that. You have to play at the highest level possible. It's, it's going to be interesting to see. Does o, where does OU lose again? Like I, 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 it's too long a season. There's too many games to go undefeated. I will be very curious to see where they lose, how many games they lose in the regular season. But like, just pencil them in. They're going to be the number one seed. They're going to be in Oklahoma City. It is an inevitability, and that's fine. Like it's just it is the, the the sport is, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that we can't enjoy all the other teams and the other rosters in there. Okay, so we had OU right. as the number one overall. Uh, Texas was almost a consensus too. There are a couple of people who put Oklahoma State ahead of them. Um, OSU was third. Baylor was fourth. UCF fifth. Texas sixth. BYU seventh, Kansas eighth, Iowa State ninth, and Houston tenth in the overall poll once we averaged everyone's out. Looking at the at the Ross at the lineup in that way, mm-hmm. who's the team you think could surprise us the most? Who's the team that you think could be the most disappointing this year? Ooh. So obviously Iowa State gonna surprise people, but in all seriousness, if I wasn't a graduate from Iowa State, Texas Tech. These last couple of years have been a silent assassin. I think they are so incredible. They always hit a bajillion home runs. They, I could easily see them sneaking one away from one, if not two from Baylor, one from Oklahoma state and maybe even Texas. I am just honestly impressed with them every single year. Uh, I, I really think they could surprise and, go up a couple spots from number six, if not take Baylor's spot. Um, disappointing. I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see how Oklahoma State does. I mean, everyone knows there's some controversy with Kelly Maxwell leaving and going to Oklahoma. Again, like from an athlete perspective, there could be so many other reasons we don't know on why she's leaving. And so I'm excited to see how she does at Oklahoma. But I'm excited to see how Oklahoma state handles that. And one, they have to play Oklahoma three times and who their ACE is going to be and how they're going to handle not being behind Kelly on the mound. So those are my takes. I, I like the Texas tech pick. Um, yep. I think Craig Snyder is building something there. That's really good. Um, yeah. I am, I am very intrigued. Uh, last year, the schedule didn't do them any favors. We talked with coach Snyder last yes. week. And, you know, the schedule was what they had. And they have done a better job this year of, of putting together a stronger schedule that should help them from an RPI standpoint. Um, Kansas at eight. I know I only put them one spot higher in my personal one, but I, mm-hmm. that is Coach McFall's most experienced team she's ever had at Kansas during her time there. And if they're going to do it, like next year is going to be a rebuild. If they're yeah. going to do it, it's this year. And I, I think that if they can find the offense, they, they can pull off some upsets and surprise to people. I really do. Um, I agree on OSU. I think it was a lean towards internal growth. They didn't they they didn't bring in a stud pitcher from the transfer portal. Right. Uh, they still have Kilfoy from last year. Mm-hmm. They've got Acock as well. Um, they've got mm-hmm. some freshmen that I'm intrigued by. But think about this. Like, Rachel Becker is gone. Mm-hmm. Carwile is gone. Mm-hmm. Maxwell is gone. Naomi is gone. Like they've just they've lost so much off of Taylor Tuck is gone. Uh I, I could keep going down the list. Morgan Wynn is I just 
there's so many players who have had such an impact on this team for the past few years that I think there's going to be a bit of a rebuild. And I, not a I rebuild. Agree. I just I think that Gajewski has said we're gonna we're gonna kind of focus on internal development, and I think this is a team who very likely at the end of the year is not the same as the team at the beginning of the year, but I am curious mm-hmm. how they look out of the gate and how that's going to affect how the season goes for them. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to be really, really challenged this year, especially at the beginning. Um, and like you said, it'll be interesting to see um, how they rebuild. I'm really excited about Baylor. I, I'm really <laughs> excited for them to, to hopefully to have everyone healthy throughout this season. Cause I mean, I just, that's a team that almost was hosting regional last year. I think they could be doing it this year. Um, I'm excited to see UCF in the Big 12. It's going to be harder for them with the increase in in strength of schedule, but I think they're going to be a great fit in in the Big 12. They get Oklahoma and Texas in Orlando, which is awesome. Um, I just I'm I'm very excited. I think that Houston's interesting just because you basically like ran off half your roster and brought it and uh, replaced every single one of them out of the transfer. There was like ten exits and eleven newcomers out of the portal, which is mm-hmm. insane. It's awful. I just, I'm very, this season's going to be fun. I think it's going to yeah. be an exciting season. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think Oklahoma is going to win it, but I am excited nonetheless. I just, I, oh, I'm just ready. I'm ready for games. I'm tired of talking. <laughs> Me wanna, too. I watch some games. I know. I've been, I've been texting my teammate, like my old teammates. And I'm like, so like, what are you thinking? How's the lineup looking? Blah, 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 blah. And they're like, we don't even know. We got to keep practicing. You'll see in a couple of weeks. So, <laughs> I'm trying to get some nothing. inside scoop and no, they're not giving away anything. Nothing. Okay. We gotta, we gotta start finding some, some cell phone numbers from, uh, from coaches. <laughs> just be like, Hey, 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 Hey. Um, oh, I'm excited. We got uh, games kick off on the 8th. Uh, we've got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, BYU, UCF, Iowa State, uh, all in action on that first Thursday. Oh man, I can't wait. Uh, I just I can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I got, I'm, I'm tired of previewing it. I understand. I am. Uh, I am excited about what we have here on the ten twelve for this season. I think the coverage is going to be fantastic. I am thrilled to have you with us this year. Having you and Eric together uh, is going to be, I think, just a ton of fun. You guys know ten thousand times more about this than I do, which is also very, very helpful. Um, I am excited to hear the stories you have to share and the expertise you have to offer us as someone who has played for as long as you have. Um, all right, let me see if I can uh, see if I can get something fun out of you to, to wrap okay. up before we get to Eric. Um, uh, okay, let's go. With, let's just let's just keep it easy. Uh, what's okay. one thing about Coach Pinkerton that he would never admit uh, about himself, but that everyone should know? Uh, he's a he's a big softy. Sometimes you can't see that, but like, oh my gosh, he is more like a dad. I remember he made us text him all the time when we'd be like leaving for Christmas break. And he's like, just let me know you guys get home safe. Or like, he'll yell at us and then he'll like bring us in be like, I'm really sorry I yelled at you guys. He'd be so mad if I was saying this, but yeah, he's definitely a softy. Um, I think another fun fact is he would come to the outfield sometimes to help out. And he would always say like, one fun fact, I don't know, they were so random. He used to do history or whatnot. And we would keep asking him questions to delay us doing these like really hard drills he had planned. And once you got him going, he just kept going and going, going. And finally, Coach Aaron, our uh, 
assistant coach, volunteer coach last year was like, all right, let's get going. Cause he knew exactly what we were doing. So <laughs> I think he'd be upset. <laughs> he knew that. He was probably just like, Oh, the girls want to talk. And I'm like, yes, but I also just want to delay doing a bajillion reps you had planned. I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, a big softy. That's good to know. Uh, yeah. One other thing that is a big softy is Charlie Hustle. They are some of the softest and most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will ever find. So you need to go to charliehustle.com. You use the promo code 101215, T-E-N-1215. Get 15% off all non-sale items like the super comfortable sweaters and hoodies they have for every Big 12 school currently. Except for Cincinnati, they're working on it. Just Y'all, just keep tweeting at Cincinnati. Just tweet at Cincinnati's athletic department account. Like That's that's what you want to do. If you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, they've got you covered as well. They've also got Colorado. Go check out Charlie Hustle. They have a just, I mean fantastic collection of stuff if you're a big 12 fan or you're just a fan of vintage collegiate designs especially basketball they've got a ton of great basketball stuff they just put out so charliehustle.com sponsor here for the show for the network thrilled to have them go shop 10 12 15 t-e-n-1 2 1 5 for 15 percent off all non-sale items shop at charliehustle.com today charlie hustle vintage made fresh leah this is fun we're gonna do this again next week we're going to hit uh, Eric here coming up next. Y'all stick around for that. Always a fun time. Until next week, Leah. Can't wait. We continue our Big 12 softball kickoff. Let's call it the kickoff. Season starts next week. We're a week out from the first games being played. Uh, technically, normally, we will have Leah and Eric together at the same time. But Eric's a busy man. He's got He's got a lot of games to call from softball games, basketball games. And so for today... We're going to break him off, give him some solo uh, solo time here. If you have listened to the show before, you know this voice. He is Eric Lopez. I call him the voice of UCF. He's he's technically the voice of UCF softball, but uh, he's the voice I recognize the most. Eric, welcome back, man. Well, uh, glad to be on with you. Look forward to be on with you frequently this year, and thank you for uh, tolerating my hectic schedule, because you're right. This time of year now, it's all over the place, so it's not the easiest. So I appreciate your patience, and I'm excited to talk softball with you, man. I'm I'm excited for softball season to be here. Again, we're a week out, and I'm ready. I'm ready for those first games they're going to play next Thursday. We got plenty of Big Twelve teams in action. Um, I want to talk about some some thoughts and things with you. Let's let's start with you are one of the hosts of the In the Circle podcast. That is a college softball podcast. It is a fantastic show. If you're a college softball fan and you're not subscribed, you should go do so immediately. But one of the cool things that you are doing. Um, with a little help from the Big 12 Conference itself, is having kind of a Big 12 media week this week. There is no media days for softball, much to my chagrin, and despite how much I keep poking at them to try and do something. Uh, this is, you have gotten all the coaches from the, the 10 Big 12 teams, 10 teams this year, 10 teams with the addition of Houston, UCF, and BYU. Uh, you've got one, you've got the head coach and then a player from each program, two episodes a day, dropping daily, all week long. They're fantastic interviews. I want to start there. Um, I want to. I want to ask you what are what are some of the biggest takeaways you've had from some of these interviews? We'll we'll, we'll kind of hit a couple of the coaches. I, uh, some of the episodes have yet to come out. Obviously, there'll be two more today, Thursday when this drops, and two more on Friday. Let's let's start with with Baylor because I, I'm very interested in Baylor this season. I think they had a great year last year. The only team to beat Oklahoma. Period. 
End of story. Uh, you bring back so much on this roster. There's a lot of expectations for Baylor this year. They're one of the only four teams in the Big 12 ranked in the preseason polls. Uh, usually somewhere around like 19, 20, 21, 22. Based off your conversation with Baylor's head coach, Glenn Moore, what, how are you viewing this Baylor squad this year? I think it. you nailed it. I think the expectations are through the roof. He told me this is one of his favorite teams that he's coached. And he's his 24th season as head coach at Baylor. Uh, you know, everybody knows about the injuries to the pitching staff last year, especially their top two pitchers who Glenn told me they're going to be on a pitch count to start the season, but they, I, and I think that's play, that's smart. That's playing the long game. They will, I think there's unfinished business. I talked to Shailen Govan, their all American player. There's unfinished business there. They know how close they were to hosting. And, you know, it was interesting. Glenn mentioned that he felt that the Iowa state loss cost him a host. Which I don't know if it cost them. Uh, I think they were still on the outside looking in at that point. I think it w- if they would have won that game and say make me win another game of the Big Twelve tournament, maybe that would have made a difference. But they know they were that close, and they returned this piece. This is a veteran group, and I've talked to him over the years. Has this group he's built? Um, you know, remember they took the the NIC tournament invite a couple years back because he wanted his young players to get experience in postseason, get a taste for it. And a lot of coaches around the sport have really said use Baylor as a model to, hey, let's build this program up. So he he takes pride in that. I sense the mo- this is the most excited I've heard Glenn. I think that he's, he's rejuvenated. I think he is fired up. I think he's got that. Not that he didn't have it before, but he generally loves this group. It's a tight group, a talented group. They're the only team that beat Oklahoma a year ago, so they have that confidence. And I think if they're con- if they're healthy – you know, and he acknowledges that's part of the game. That's been the issue. But if they're healthy, they're going to be a contender in the Big 12, and they can make they'll be a contender for Oklahoma City. But they got to stay healthy, especially in that pitching staff, which he feels they're deep. You know, as a result of the injuries, it created depth. But how healthy can they stay throughout the years? The big wild card with Baylor. Yeah, I, I, on the Iowa State loss, like I, maybe maybe that's why I, I I feel like it was a really close there at the bottom of the of the collection of teams are hosting i thought there was a really good chance they would uh, and and it stinks because you hit iowa state at the hottest iowa state was there at the end of the season i mean they got a win over oklahoma state they were racking up wins at the end of the season they were driving everybody crazy which stank just because the rpi for them was so low but like that was a totally different team in the back half of the schedule like for baylor i mean i do think hosting is a realistic expectation being one of the 16 teams who is able to host this year is is realistic and the big 12 having four hosts would be huge um, I, I, hopefully not to the detriment of like we've got four hosts and nobody else. Like I, I feel like this is a Big Twelve where, and I think for Baylor, one of the things that intrigues me so much for the conference this year is, I feel like it's not just that you've added three teams. Is this is the best depth the conference has seen in, in a while? It's not just that you add UCF who's good. It's not just you add BYU who is perennially a a postseason a, a team who makes the postseason. I think Texas Tech. Should be good this year. I think this is the best roster that Kansas has had. I think that Iowa State should be somewhat, at least improved, if they can look like they did in the second half to start the year this year. Like I feel like the depth in the Big 12 should help a team like Baylor in that goal to host a regional this season. 100% agree. I can tell you, talking to all the coaches in the league, that is the consensus, that they feel this is the deepest that the league has been uh, in, in forever. 
Uh, I think they're excited about the future too, especially the, the you know the coaches that are you know about next year. They're talking excited about adding Arizona, Utah, Arizona State to the mix. So they feel that depth's going to be here to stay. And you look at the landscape of college athletics. I think the consensus within the conference and within the coaches is you could have the it's the SEC and the Big Twelve battling for supremacy in the sport. And I'm going to give you the staff. Do you realize last year? The Big 12 went 21 and 11 against the SEC head to head. 21 and 11 against the SEC because there's the perception that the SEC is the best league, and you know they. And I think the thing that, that benefits them is they always get to 10, 11 teams because they they do a good job of getting that middle tier, you know, bubbles teams in. Uh, but the Big 12 is right there with them, and I think the depth of this league. You highlighted some of that. I mean, I think UCF's got the most stacked, deepest roster that I've seen and I've covered them for 18 seasons. It's my 18th season covering UCF. It's the deepest, most talented roster they've had that I can remember. You know, you mentioned Coach Pinkerton and Iowa State. I would make the argument Iowa State was the fifth, fourth, fifth best team in the Big 12 in the second half of the year. They just dug themselves a hole. And he acknowledged that in talking to them, and they hope to get off to a better start this year. I talked to Malaysia Ochoa, their old Big 12 performance. She, she was on that regional team in 21. They want to get back there. Jennifer McFalls feels this is the most experienced team that they've had. They've been knocking on the doors, just getting that consistency. You mentioned Craig Snyder in year two at Texas Tech. So I agree. I think this is a league that certainly would get three to four host spots. I would be surprised if it wasn't at least a minimum of three. You could make a case for five teams being ranked in the t- in, from this league. And I think the league can get five to six, maybe seven bids, depending on how things break non-conference results will play a factor in that but i think there's an excitement in this league because i think the perception is well oklahoma wins every year so how great the league well oklahoma would win every league what put them in whatever insert them in whatever league you want i don't even the sec which they'll be in next year they would win the they would have won the sec hands down the last handful of years i think the big 12 is very strong and i think it's deeper than ever before yeah the whole like well it's not very good because oklahoma wins all the games like <laughs> yeah, but Oklahoma wins all their games against everyone. Yeah, like period. Well, the Big Twelve is the only not... teams that have beaten Oklahoma the last couple of years. Baylor last year and the year before that it was Oklahoma State in Texas. Nobody outside the Big Twelve has beaten Oklahoma the last couple of years. Uh, you know, as far as regular season and all that. Yeah, I it was. I think the last time someone non Big Twelve was like, well, let's see, I think did UCLA won a game against them. Two years ago, yeah, in the postseason, yeah, to force a necessary game and then got run real. But I'm saying, yeah, in in totality, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We can we can save our um, SEC softball frustration for later. And and we've talked about on this podcast and personally, like the Big Twelve needs to be more vocal. I think the SEC being as vocal as they are when they every single team in the conference doesn't get into the postseason, which is ludicrous. Like they are vocal about it. They're they're banging their heads, banging their hands. They are out there talking about it and i don't feel like the big 12 does a good enough job of saying of promoting softball i think them working with you on this the the episodes this week is is a great first step we'll see what they can continue to do to be more vocal as we go into this season you mentioned you talked with jennifer mcfalls head coach at kansas and, and i'm i'm a big fan of hers and, and you mentioned most experienced like that was a was a a good team last year and i thought it it just it was Close in some situations where they could have gotten a few more wins here or there, avoided a couple of bad losses. Like they had a real shot to be in a in a postseason spot. 
they bring back like everything. I think they lost two of their starters from last year, if I recall correctly. Like they bring yes. back a ton on what I think is her best roster. And a lot of super seniors, a lot of that COVID experience. They didn't bring a lot. They didn't bring anything in from the transfer portal. Like looking at Kansas this year from your perspective, because you mentioned six, seven teams in the postseason. I I feel like Kansas is that team where if we're getting Kansas into the postseason, we're talking about seven, if not more teams. Agreed. I think it's a big year uh, for Kansas. I think Jennifer McFalls is this is the most excited she is about this group. It's been some growing pains building this team. Injuries have derailed them the last, you know, in, in years past. They've got all the pieces. The My question with them, because I like their pitching. Casey Hamilton, I got to talk to. He's a great, bright kid. Grew up a Jayhawk fan, loved, you know, in Topeka, Kansas, you know, going to Fog Allen. You know, I teased her because she told me, like, I asked her, have you ever shot any hoops, you know, in Fog Allen as a student athlete? It's like, no, I haven't. I'm like, you got to do that at some point before you, you leave campus. My question, you know, they got Lyric Moore as a great catcher. Do they have enough offense? That's, to me, the question. It's hard to win, I think, in the Big 12, 2 nothing, 2-1 games on a consistent basis. The, the lineups are too good. To me, that's the big question for them. But this is a big year. Uh, you know, but Coach McFall's got an extension over the offseason, so she's going to be there a while, and I think it's the right move for Kansas. It's not like Kansas, you know, I think they're starting to now support softball, which hasn't ever been always been the case, I think, in the past. You know, they've had a drought as far as making the NCAA tournament. This is an experienced group to do it. This is the group. They've, they've, they beat Texas of the world. They've beaten the Oklahoma states of the world. So they're capable of doing that. It's just finding that consistency. And she's got a very good non-conference schedule. They're going to open up in Florida in the NFCA. They're going to play up in Leesburg. Some, if they can get some quality wins and get off to a good start early, I think that's a team to watch. But it's got to be this year because she's got to probably rebuild it next year. And uh, But, yeah, the, I talking to Coach McFalls, if you listen to that episode, that's the most excited. And you can hear the excitement in her voice about this group and, and the confidence for her. And and I think she's taken a lot of pride in building this program to this point to where they're hoping is ends up with an NCAA tournament bid. I mean, look, Kansas opens the season with, with Oregon yeah. out in, in Clearwater. Um, you've got games against Central Arkansas. You've got four games against Big Ten teams. Oh, talking about the Big Ten and softball. You like they have a they have a solid and challenging non conference. I'm I'm very interested to see how they look this season. You, the, one of the teams I'm most intrigued in, of uh, the newcomers. I think UCF's going to do well. Um, we'll uh, Houston was I'm not a consensus last place pick in our media preseason poll. There are a couple people who had Iowa State in last place, but they had Houston ninth. Like the expectations for Houston are low. BYU is the one I'm most interested in. This is a program that is used to making the postseason on a regular basis. Who has for the most part, dominated the West Coast Conference. Um, they didn't win it last year. And it feels like it's a, a program that's kind of trailed off a little the last couple seasons. It, it, it has It's still dominated from a record standpoint, but it didn't win the WCC last year. It didn't win it the year before. Now you're coming into what is it, easily a far more <laughs> difficult conference. How does, from your interview with Eakin, how is he feeling about this move and, and, and frankly, the challenge that this program is now going to face in year one? Well, I think that he's been preparing for this for a couple of years uh, from a facility standpoint, from a support standpoint. Uh, from what I understand, they're chartering pretty much all the flights, which is a pretty good step for them there. Uh, I think he likes the personnel, especially offensively with Zavoknik back and Aya and Matty Bergerano. And, you know, 
The question is, do they have enough pitching depth and the toll? He knows they're going to take some lumps in the Big 12. You just are. The challenge of a week-to-week basis, that will be something for them to get used to. I'm like you. I was kind of concerned. I was wondering if, if this is too big of a jump, if it's an adjustment period. But if you look at BYU across the board, men's basketball has surprised. They're playing really well. Women's soccer had a great year, got to the College Cup, won the Big 12. Volleyball did very well in their first year. So you would think it would be a big jump from the West Coast Conference Big 12, but it seems like, and I think most of these BYU teams, the strategy has been have an experienced group that has been through battles into the conference, so they're not phased by anything. I think that's the, the their thinking there from a BYU standpoint. He plays usually a tough non-conference schedule. That's no different with him. They're, the travel he does not think is a concern. Um, and if anything, I think they would tell you the other teams have to adjust to BYU because remember, all their series are going to be Thursday to Saturday. So in a lot of cases, these other teams are going to have to get used to playing that Thursday to Saturday slot, having maybe a short week in some cases. So um, I, I, BYU is fascinating because you can make a case for them finishing six in the league, for example. You can make a case for them finishing near the bottom, right? It just depends on how the, can the pitching hold up in the Big 12 with North uh, with what they have coming back. They do have their ace pitcher coming back, so they feel good about that. It's a veteran group. It's not a young group with new faces like, say, Houston has a lot of new faces. Uh, basically, Kristen Vesely deciding to go with a reboot uh, with the program. Uh, BYU is not at that stage. But you're right. They didn't win the West Coast Conference the last couple of years. They lost out to LMU because they lost head-to-head to LMU. Now they go to a stiffer competition. We'll see what happens with that. But they won't be intimidated uh, at all. And I think the success they've had in the other sports might bode well for them as far as giving them confidence. Yeah, they have to go to Norman and to Austin. Rough. But they that is rough. State. That, he, yeah, and, they get Oklahoma State and Baylor at home. And he, wasn't, he was surprised that he didn't get at least Texas or Oklahoma at home. He was surprised that he thought he would get at least one of them. You're right. That that is a bad draw from that standpoint. That might hurt them from a standing standpoint, but you know, creates opportunities too. I, I look it, from. The, I can say this as an outsider, and I, and I kind of hint, talked about this with with Coach Snyder in an interview with with him from Texas Tech of like, look, it's it's tough in the Big Twelve, where you never want to like you want to go in thinking you can win every game. That's fine. That's the coach. That's the player mentality. From an outside perspective, like you have to mark Oklahoma as like an 0-3. You just you kind of have to. Like that's just how good Oklahoma has been. If you are not OSU who gets one, or a Texas who gets one, or a Baylor who and like you have those. So it's it's tough when you already have to go into the season from a fan standpoint of like, okay, just put three L's there. And so it's that's one of the things I feel like with the Big Twelve that's been so hard is because Oklahoma has been so good. And this isn't a complaint about Oklahoma thing. We can do that later. Um, it is harder when you go into a season and if you're having a realistic expectation of things, knowing you already just have to start off 0-3 with three-game series against Oklahoma and then just hoping that you could snag a win or two against the other teams you know are expected to make the postseason, this year being Texas, Baylor, and Oklahoma State. I From, from the standpoint of looking at the teams not named OU, Texas, OSU, and Baylor, who do you think has the best shot at getting a win or two over those other those top four teams? Or even do you see a team in the Big 12 that you think, if I have to pick a loss for Oklahoma in Big 12 play, and it's not from the other three we would expect it to come from, 
Who could that be? Not counting, obviously, Texas, who hosts Oklahoma and Baylor and all that. Yeah. I'm going to sound – I think it's UCF. UCF hosts Oklahoma. It's on senior weekend. Uh, UCF has mm-hmm. their largest senior class. That series is sold out already. It is – like, people were telling me that the secondary market for that game is going like 150 200 bucks to get in right now. Uh, so it's going to be an incredible atmosphere. UCF hosts both Texas and Oklahoma. They're the opposite of BYU. They lo- they won the lottery by getting Texas <laughs> and Oklahoma in their final year both at home. And they're a good team at the Plex at home. They do have to go to Oklahoma State. The good news for them is they went there last year. Uh, so they already have experience playing in Stillwater. And, it's, and it will get, I'm sure we'll get into Oklahoma State. There's a lot of questions in Stillwater about what they look like this year. And deal. So... And Coach Cindy Ball Malone, who you've had, you've talked to many a times, she has played a tough schedules before, no different this year. They're not going to be intimidated by playing any of these teams. They've played them. Like, they played Oklahoma in a super region already. They played Texas and beat them in Clearwater a couple years ago. So they have an experienced group, 11 seniors, led by Jada Cody, who's an All-American talented player, Chloe Evans, Shannon Doherty and company. And they have the depth in pitching that they didn't have last year. Last year they had inexperienced pitching coming into the season. This year they have everybody back pitching. They've added some arms, including Sona Halihan from uh, Halihan from the transfer from Cal, who's an all-Pac-12 player two years ago, won 18 games. So they have the experience. They're battle-tested. They've won 40 games or more the last three seasons. I think that's a team, if you're thinking, hey, who's the one that could maybe upset the carton and break that, I don't know, would you say monopoly of that top four of Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, Baylor? Would you say those that they've monopolized that top four spot for the most part? Not every year, but for the most part, especially the top three. UCF could be that team that maybe uh, – you know, upsets the carton there a little bit in the Big 12 and surprises, helping helping by the fact that they have Texas and Oklahoma at home. I mean, Oklahoma, I can't remember the last time they've even played in Orlando. I mean, the last time they were in Florida was probably like the original ESPN Clearwater tournament back in like 19 or 2019 or 2020. Yeah, I mean, it's been a Oklahoma has owned this league. um, And then Texas and OSU have been the two, three back forth, however you want to. And then it's been everybody else. And so this year, I think Baylor finished fourth last year. They swept Texas, got swept by Oklahoma State, got swept by Oklahoma in the in the, in the Big 12 play because that one win came early in the season in non-conference. Like UCF does feel like the program that if someone's going to come in and potentially break up that top four that we expect, it's UCF um, because expectations are from behind. We've seen them be very, very good. I think last year, like it – I think they were a very good team last year. I think that the very difficult non-conference, they just they got some losses that should have could have been wins, except for a break, a bad break here and a bad break there. And so, like I have full expectation of UCF coming in and competing in the Big Twelve, being successful in the Big Twelve, and, and getting themselves back to the back to the postseason again because of you're playing in a conference which a much better RPI than the AAC was. Well, not it, not to shoot South Florida or Wichita State, but like. It is what it is. hundred percent. And, you know, last year what hurt them early is the inexperienced pitching. Sarah Willis was being developed at that time. She hadn't gone, wasn't used to carrying the load that she is now. You know, she ended up winning American Conference Pitcher of the Year. Really took her game to a different level probably after March. Now she leads this staff with a lot of arms behind her. Grace Jewell, who you've talked to, is a year older. They have added Ava Justman, a transfer from Wisconsin. Caitlin Fell. They have enough depth and arms. It's really about... 
Coach Ball Malone are putting the pieces together and, and, and making sure it fits. I think the big question for UCF is how do they handle the intangibles? How do you handle going to Waco, Texas for the first time? And the trip, you know, going to Lubbock, Texas from Orlando. That's going to be the challenge. It is a stiffer challenge with some traveling quirks, let's just say. How do they handle that? And how do they handle, for example, if they lose a series in Waco? This is a team that's not used to losing a series. They've all, you know, Wichita State is the only team that's beaten them in a series the last three years in the American. How do that? How do they handle adversity from that standpoint in a conference play? You know, like I've told some people down here locally, I think UCF can be. I think this might be a better UCF team than last year. Might be even better than on paper than 2022 when they won the regional and were a national seed. But I don't think it's going to show in the win loss record just because of the competition of the Big 12. They might be a better team than last year, but not have as good of a record. They might have a great year in the Big 12 and go 13 and 14 in the Big 12. That's the challenge. But that. But welcome to life in the power conferences. That's the way the world is in softball. I, I love the round robin this year. I'm I'm so glad that they're playing a full round robin with 10 teams this year, nine conference series. Everybody gets a shot at everybody before Oklahoma and Texas leaves. I think that was the right move to make. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's let's talk OSU just for a second. I'm really intrigued by Coach Gajewski's offseason decisions here. Um, not to criticize, just very different from what we've come to expect of Oklahoma State. Typically, you see them bringing in some star ace pitcher from another program to kind of be the one on the mound. Um, they've developed some absolute studs, some that are on the staff. Um, you lose Kelly Maxwell to your most hated rival in Oklahoma because of a coaching change at pitcher. Your pitching coach decides to retire kind of uh, out of the blue last minute. Um, and you promote Carrie Eberle to be your new pitching coach. She, she was literally on the roster with Kelly Maxwell two seasons ago and spent one season as assistant last year. There's a lot of former players on the staff at this point. They brought in a few transfers, but not in the way that we are used to. It feels a little bit like a lot of internal focus, a lot of people who understand the program and understand Stillwater and a look at with all of the stars that have been on this roster through its four straight trips to OKC with so many of those players gone. It feels like more of a focus on we've done this good job in recruiting. We want to develop what we have as opposed to looking outside to continue to make us better. We want to make ourselves better internally. I'm curious from your conversation with him, what what has been the mindset at, at, in the way that he has kind of put this year's team together and the focus that they have on it? I think, you know, uh, and by the way, that episode will be out, uh, depending on when you listen to this, it'll be out that Friday. It'll be the last episode of the Big 12 week, and it's really good. As you know, Kenny, he does not hold back. He does, he does <laughs> not sugarcoat things. He's very honest. And even in this interview, he was very honest because I didn't even press him on those topics. He kind of brings it up himself. Uh, and you nailed it. I think part of this is more of an internal look. It's about development, having people around him that he trusts. And, you know, he mentioned some comments, you know, obviously the Maxwell thing is still a very sensitive subject. um, (laughs) Because I, you know, I asked him about what was the off season like for you? Because, you know, every time you made a comment, it made headlines and he joked, well, but you know, he's like, maybe I need to learn to shut up. Uh, But, you know, the Maxwell thing, and I defended him. He's tr- he's telling the truth. 
Like, you don't go to your rival in Oklahoma when you're an Oklahoma State player. If any sport, you go to Oklahoma, you're not. it's not going to be the same. Like, you're not going to just be embraced when you come back to Stillwater in reunions, okay, if at all. And so I, I kind of defended him on that. But he talked about you, – you wanted to jump in on that a little bit. I, I, I need to – okay. Yeah, I, I, have, I have tried to play the middle ground. I'm done with it for a minute. <laughs> um, OU fans trying to take – the higher ground standpoint um, about a player transferring to Oklahoma, right? How can OSU fans be so mad? You need to grow up. Uh, we weren't mad, right, when um, Jordy Ball left to go to Nebraska. We were excited for it. We're supporting it. We're like, good, go shoot, go shoot, go do great work. Go have a- we're rivals with Nebraska. And my whole thing was like, y'all. A, your roster's fine, even if you lose Jordy Ball. B, Nebraska is not an in-conference rival. It's not an in-state rival. It's not the same thing. C, the correct comp would be, what would happen if Jordy Ball had gone to Texas? How would you feel about Jordy Ball right now? No, she went back to a program that's not successful, that she's trying to help grow back up, back to home, a program that she was at one time committed to, and she has won a national championship. This is not, it's not the same thing. It's not the same situation. Like, I... I, it bothers me that people don't understand like what she was, Kelly Maxwell, being a recruited to come to OSU, developed at OSU, and then going to, it's kind of a, and I'm gonna, I don't care, I'm making a comp. It's kind of a Kevin Durant going to join the Warriors. That's that's the Oklahoma comp is Kevin Durant was recruited here, developed here, he was our guy, and he went to go join the national champs because he wanted to go to a ring and he wanted help doing it, not to have to do it himself. And Kelly Maxwell, like I understand Gajewski's feelings right. about it. I understand Oklahoma State's feelings about it. Like I don't, I like the the pushback that that OSU and Gajewski are are the bad guys for being upset by this. It's like that. Like you make decisions, they're things that come from decisions. We don't have to just be like, great, excited for you. Go win a natty. Go to the rival. Like that's it's not the same. It'd be one thing if she had gone to Florida State. Every OSU fan was like, if she goes to Florida State, it's fine. It's Florida I don't. State. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I think you'd be fine. Yeah. No. And. Right. I think there's some people that think that because that oh you're being a hypocrite because you've benefited from the transfer portal. He's that's not what he's saying. He acknowledges yes we've benefited from the portal. Of course we're going to take a lumps from the portal. His whole thing was that she he she went to Oklahoma and by the way she has the right to go there. Yes. That that's not the question. But you can't expect things to be rosy moving forward. Now, and he was speaking in front of Oklahoma State people, but people made a big deal yeah. that. Uh, but he admit, and it was interesting in the interview. You mentioned the fact, Carol. I he mentioned and admitted that Carrie Eberly coming in. He probably figured, yeah, there's a chance Kelly Maxwell is going to leave. And I said, did you take that into account, knowing in advance? You knew that in advance. He's like, yes. So he admitted that in the interview, which I thought was fascinating. Uh, bringing in Carrie Eberly, and then the Vanessa Shippey move. He was honest. He said a couple years ago. It was between her and Corey uh, and, and the previous hitting coach, Whitney Clore. And he went with Whitney and he said he's apologized to her about it. He said he should have gone there. It was very interesting. He just felt that the offense wasn't working. It wasn't clicking. He said it's nobody's fault. It's his fault. And this like that. So I think there's a lot of internal checking to your point that he's trying to fix internally. I don't think he liked how they finished the season last year, even though they did make the World Series. Remember how they struggled down the stretch. It was bad. And I think it was, it was really I think bad. it all goes back to that. And that's where he's made these changes internally. 
look, and, and you look at them, and he was so – he still has a lot of questions about this year. He was honest. He's like, I don't know what we're going to get because we have so many questions. People can focus about Maxwell all they want. They lost Becker, Naomi, Factor, Carwile. They lost a lot offensively and defensively. He coaches the defense, and he was honest in the interview saying – we may, I don't know if I'm going to know what team I have until two, three weeks into the season because there's so many young players he's going to have to play and they're going to have to grow on the job. Uh, not that anybody feels sorry for them. It's a young, talented team. It was a very highly touted freshman class. But to your point, he didn't add as many players from the portal. It's a young team that might take some lumps. The good news is you've got Lexi Kilfoyle back, who I got a chance to talk to, who's motivated. And for her senior year, I think she wants to win the Big 12 Pitcher of the Year. Uh, and they feel good about some of the youngsters behind them with, I, you know, but they got to step up. But they're a young group, and and I think they're the mystery team. Because I'm giving – I think where everybody's going to give Kenny the benefit of the doubt because he's a great coach, and they'll figure it out. But you can make the argument from afar. If you didn't know who the coach was, if you just said random team, you might say this is a rebuild year for them. But they're, But we don't say that. Because it's Oklahoma State and it's Kenny Gajewski and they've all, all they've had is success since he's gotten there. Yeah, there there is a certain level of expectation for Oklahoma State softball at this point. When you make it to OKC four four times in a row, there is an expectation. And I, I like they're going to in my opinion they will make the postseason. Yeah. I I I'm not sure if you're preseason picking OSU to get back to Oklahoma City. I'm gonna have to see this team before I'm ready to make that call. Because I just like there's there's just too much new. I, obviously, Kilfoyle is going to be like she got better and better as the season went on. I think Kyra Acock is only going to be better in her soft true sophomore season. And then uh, I think it's it's um, it's Fultz or Futz. I forget the name. Oh, Cuts. Of the, the, Katie Cuts, Cuts the freshman kid who was a Virginia Gatorade Player of the Year. Her and Sailor Davis, the two freshmen, they like a lot there. And of course, Ivy Roseberry back on the staff. Who steps into those roles? That's going to be the big question. And again, the coaching staff's new. Carrie Eberly was at Lipscomb, even though she's an alum and she recognizes the roster. How does that go? Uh, Vanessa Shippey taking over the offense with youngsters. How does that go? I mean, Kenny alluded to it. She took over in right in December, Christmas time. Short period of time, man. That's tough. You know, transitioning to a coach, and you know that's it's going to be interesting how they look early, and it's a challenging start. They're going to play out west. They're going to play UCLA. They're going to be on national TV. They're going to go to Clearwater and marquee tournament there. They're going to play in Tampa where they're going to play Washington. So it's not like they get to just, you know, tap their toes in right away. They go right after in the gauntlet as he always does. Yeah, it's – I'm not going to call it a make or break year for him. Obviously, no. you've you've established. But I, I do think it's – with some of the decisions he's made in the offseason – leaning internal, leaning in some inexperience on the coaching staff as opposed to trying to go out and land a big name. I do think it is a very interesting season to watch that could have a lot. It's a season I feel could have some lasting impact on the on the state of the program moving forward if things don't work out for some reason. Just because once you build expectations, it's, you know, it's, it's really easy to be let down from a fan standpoint if you can't continue to reach those. Um, we'll wrap on this. Uh, the Big 12 announced which games have been picked up for a national broadcast this year uh, from a softball standpoint, which I think is awesome. No shock here. A lot of Oklahoma, uh, Bedlam, Oklahoma, Texas. we got Baylor with a game in there. The one I'm most intrigued by, 
is the fact that there will be a Big 12 softball game on FS1, game one of the Bedlam series, which will be in Norman. It'll be the final Big 12 Bedlam series got picked up by FS1. Obviously, we know that the Big 12 and, and Fox will strengthen that relationship starting with next year, the, the new contract that'll kick in. It's interesting to me to see Fox pick up a Big 12 softball game. It's not interesting to me. I, I don't, when I think of college softball, I think of ESPN. They're the ones who have invested in it. They've got a staff and personalities that you you know and recognize. It's interesting to see. I'm curious by what level of investment Fox is going to have in softball, specifically in the Big 12, as they take on more Big 12 inventory in the years to come. 100% agree. Uh, I think it's going to be fascinating to see that, especially when the new deal kicks in for the Big 12 or you know, Fox will be more involved with the Big 12, especially in other sports like men's basketball. They're going to pick up games. We saw earlier this year Fox pick up uh, the Texas-Baylor women's basketball game. Uh, so you're right. You would think softball would make a ton of sense for them. Maybe this is the first step, picking up that Bedlam game uh, for them to do some of those games. You know, Big 12, you know, it, that's going to be fascinating to me because you look at it, the Big Ten's out of the equation now on ESPN. Like starting this year, there's no Big Ten games anymore on the ESPN family of networks. Pac-12 goes away after this year. Well, those are opportunities for the Big 12 to pick up. You know, they have seven, I believe, seven regular season games picked up for linear, uh, six on ESPN, one on that FS1. It'd be good for FS1 to pick up some of those games, maybe pick up some of the Big 12 tournament that maybe ESPN doesn't pick up. Uh, I think there's plenty of options. And, of course, with the league growth next year with Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, you have some, maybe you pick up some of those West Coast slots. That we've taught, we've heard so much about on the football side and even basketball. Maybe softball picks up some of those late night games on an on FS1 uh, for softball because you know certainly you have the games in the afternoon maybe dominated by the SEC or whatever. So I think there's some opportunities there for FS1 to pick up games or even ESPN to add to the Big 12 uh, slots maybe in TV team slots. So I definitely agree with you 100. percent That is something to monitor. Uh, moving forward is how does the linear schedule look like and how involved does FS1 get with the Big 12 as far as the Olympic sports, in particular softball, and I'll even throw in baseball to an extent, but definitely softball, which is more of a tighter window from TV, which they like. They love that two, two-hour window, two-and-a-half-hour window a lot. And, you know, that I think FS1 has shown they're willing to go that extra mile now slowly. They're picking up more women's basketball games, They've picked up volleyball in the fall. Let's see if they do that for the Big 12 moving forward. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, Eric, man, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I look forward to having you on regularly. The few Thursdays you'll miss, but for the most part, you're going to be a regular voice here on our softball shows on Thursdays with Leah Nelson. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Season starts next week, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm I'm done prepping and preview. I just, I want some softball to talk about. We got it. I'm looking forward to talking to you all year about softball and the great crew you've built. Uh, it's going to be great to pr- promote Big 12 softball and talk about it. I'm looking forward to being on the air uh, next week. It's going to be, uh, my, my voice is ready. I've, you know, I've rested my voice long enough, so I'm ready to talk the whole year. So uh, looking forward to it. Podcast Network.